Hello, my name is Wayne McGahey, the third host of the Locked On Seminoles podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. For those of you that are returning listeners and have stuck with me through the first two and a half weeks of this podcast, I really appreciate all the support. It's been uh, it's been pretty amazing to see the the numbers come up and just all the support from the people who've uh, who've been listening, and I really do appreciate it. For new listeners, um, if you're not sure who I am and this is your first time listening. I'm the Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. I've covered Florida State for each of the last four years. I started out as an intern with the NoelDigest.com on the Scout Scout Network, and I moved up to the publisher of that site after a year, and then I got the job with the Tallahassee Democrat in August of 2016. I cover football, baseball, basketball, recruiting. I attend every football practice every time Willie Taggart speaks, every time a player speaks, every time there's media availability. I'm at every single game, home, away, bowl game, doesn't matter, I'm there. I'll be in Louisville this weekend to watch the Seminoles take on the Cardinals, 3.30 on ESPN2. Um, So make sure to stay tuned for all the coverage there. But basketball, I cover every basketball home game as well as uh, postseason games. I was in Nashville and Los Angeles for Florida State's Elite 8 run last year. For baseball, I cover every baseball home game as well as the uh, postseason baseball games. I was in Omaha two years ago when Florida State made it out to the College World Series, and I also cover every major and minor recruiting event like Florida State's Saturday Night Live event that they held in July, and then the the junior day recruiting events where they bring in uh, juniors uh, in late February, early March, after National Signing Day. So we cover all of those events, and uh, I'm, you know, boots on the ground for every single one of them. So I have a pretty, I have a pretty good view about what's happening around the three major sports and recruiting in Florida State athletics. And I feel like I, you know, maybe I'm just tooting my own horn here, but I feel like I do a uh, a pretty good job of translating that well into this. So I hope you'll you'll give this podcast a chance as we continue to go through it, but. Jumping right in to uh, what we're going to talk about today, we've got a mailbag. I'm answering some questions from from uh, that were submitted by fans on Twitter earlier today, and going to talk a little bit about Louisville and, and what they do, and really just how bad they are because they are not a good football team at all. They are not a good football team. So the Cardinals got waxed, and I mean waxed by Virginia last weekend, twenty-seven to three. Virginia people, like you know, not not Virginia Tech. That that at least makes sense. You know, we, what happened with Florida State? <laughs> That's funny. Um, but trying to I guess equate the two, Virginia Tech is much better than Virginia, and Louisville got waxed by Virginia. Um, so that's this is a team that's averaging overall through four games. They're averaging just over four point seven yards per play. That's one hundred nineteenth in the country. Against FBS opponents, that number drops to 4.28. And again, that's 119th in the country. Now, we talk about how how poorly Florida State's offense have played. Louisville's offense is significantly worse in every single category, or almost every single category. Um, They can't run the football. Their leading rusher is the backup quarterback who may start. We'll get into that in a little while. Uh, But the leading rusher and the only rusher that's gone over 75 yards. Is that correct? 75 yards? Yes. The only rusher that's gone over 75 yards this season for Louisville through the first four games is backup quarterback Malik Cunningham, who's only played in three. He has 209 rushing yards. 
Everyone else, there's 71, 63, 60, 35, 33. It's bad. They cannot run the football. And they can't. They also can't throw the football either. Uh, you know, <laughs> their quarterbacks are averaging 5.9 yard, uh, yards per attempt, which is pretty uh, pretty awful. I mean, it's that that's really, really awful. They've thrown three touchdowns to six interceptions. Jawan Pass, who started out the year as the starting quarterback, complete is completing under 51% of his passes. Cunningham, who's the backup quarterback, we may see him, but uh, we, we, we may see him start against Florida State. I wouldn't be shocked by it because the numbers say that the offense is much better with him in at, at quarterback because he opens things up with his legs and Jawan Pass is completing 51% of his passes. But Malik Cunningham is completing... 64.7% of his passes, but he's also only averaging 5.8 yards per attempt. He has one touchdown, one interception. He's not he's not going to beat you downfield. It's more about beating you with his legs for uh, for Cunningham, whereas pass apparently just can't beat you anywhere. Um, he's only averaging 6.1 yards per attempt. So it's the the offense is kind of a, a, a complete train wreck right now for Louisville, um, even worse than Florida State's has been for through the first four games. They've, they've been really bad. And this is with a really, really talented, really talented receiving core. I mean, a lot of people coming into the season, uh, I was of the opinion that Clemson had the best receiving unit in uh, in the ACC, but a lot of people were of the opinion that Louisville had the best receiving unit. And uh, it just had, like, nobody can get them the ball. Like, that's the biggest issue right now is that they can't, they don't have anybody that can get them the ball consistently, can't make the throws that Lamar Jackson was making. And, you know, without Lamar Jackson, you know, Heisman Trophy winner tore Florida State up two years in a row. It This offense is kind of, you know, stagnant. I mean, it's like running through concrete. Not in con- not on concrete, but running through concrete. And we're going to have our first guest on the show. It's going to be my little guy, Wayne Edward McGahee IV. He will not nap today, so if uh, if you hear him, I apologize. Uh, you know, this uh, life goes on, and so does this podcast. So I have to get it uh, have to get it done. He will not nap for me. Normally, I record it during nap time, but yeah, you know, Florida State's got a uh, got a lot of things going for him. Um, you know, the Louisville defense isn't very good as well. They're they're giving up almost twenty six points a game right now, and it's. Uh, you know, they just they really haven't been very good. Um, they gave up 51 points to Alabama. They gave up seven points to Indiana State, which you know whatever. Uh, they barely beat Western Kentucky. They were down 17 to nothing at one point, I believe, and won 20 to 17. But Western Kentucky is one of the worst offenses in the country, and they put up uh, they put up 17 points, and then Virginia beat them 27 to three. So this is this is not a very good Louisville defense. It's not a very good Louisville offense. And really, I mean, they're like their punt, their punter's really, really good, and their kicker hasn't missed a field goal yet, though he's only attempted four, uh, four field goals so far. And their punt return and kickoff return units are good, so this is a special team unit that's good, but they're pretty bad in the other two phases. Bobby Petrino hasn't named a starter for the game. Um, he said that he's made the starter decision, but he's he hasn't named him. There's no point naming him. He said basically you know, he's being Bobby Petrino, the coach that we all know and love. But I don't see any way that Malik, Malik Cunningham doesn't get the start for the Cardinals. Uh, he's 
he's the only one um, that's even gotten anything going in the running game. And at least he's more accurate than Jawan Pass is in the passing game. You know, Pass did have to play against Alabama. Like that, you know, that's... You can only say so much because he completed 51.3% of his passes. He still hasn't completed over 57, or 58% of his passes. Like against uh, Indiana State, he only he, he threw for 89 yards. He threw for 113 against Virginia. He threw for two touchdowns against Alabama and hasn't thrown a touchdown since. Uh, he, he's not a good he's not a good quarterback, and apparently he can't run. He has 18 carries for eight yards. He's not a very good quarterback at all, and I don't see any way that Bobby Petrino chooses to go with the, him over a guy like Malik Cunningham, who's more accurate with the football and can at least move the football in the running game. So I, I think uh, Florida State's going to see Malik Cunningham. They, from what I've uh, observed at practice, I think Florida State is preparing for Malik Cunningham. They were working a lot on the read option and defending the read option on defense during the two days of practice that we were able to see this week. And I think that they're they're preparing for both. But I think the expectation is, is that Malik Cunningham will get the start for Louisville in play because he is the more dynamic threat um, as far as that goes, just because of his legs. So he'll be able to, uh, he'll be able, he's more dynamic and will be able to combat what Florida State's going to do better than Juwan Passes, who's, you know, been kind of a statue back there. He rushed for no yards against Alabama, nine yards against Indiana State on five carries. That's been his best output so far. Uh, two yard, negative two yards on two carries against Western Kentucky, and then one yard on three attempts against Virginia. He's not a mobile quarterback, uh, at least this past year. I believe he did have some success running. No, like he had some success running the football uh, last year, but he's mostly a uh, he, he's mostly a pocket guy. So I, I do expect to see Malik Cunningham in on uh, in as the starter against Florida State on Saturday. The next segment will will focus on the Florida State basketball team and what they're bringing. In the final segment, we'll answer some questions from fans. But uh, before we get into that, the wait is over. Football season's here, and that means it's fantasy football season as well. And FanDuel has never been more fun or easier to play. If you're not a fantasy football expert, they have specific game types that they that will help you out, and they will help you choose your team to make to give you the best possible team. If you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the best place to play for you. And FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are more ways than ever to win than ever before. Yeah, I'm hoping for a bounce-back week this week. I picked up Calvin Ridley, and after his three-touchdown performance, I'm hoping that he can make up for Cam Newton, who's uh, who's on a bye. He, so I'm, uh, I'm having to start Josh Allen. So, guys, think happy thoughts. But if you love playing fantasy football, there's no better place than FanDuel.com. And they will give new users a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit. So if you enjoy fantasy football, check out FanDuel.com. Thanks for sticking with me as we get into the second segment. Florida State basketball, uh, men's basketball, starts practice today. And I know we're in the middle of football season, but I'm excited for this basketball team. I really am. I'm really looking forward to you know seeing the guys back. And seeing what what this offense can do with Trent Forrest leading the way for the entire season, I think you know having him back and having him in a starting 
excuse me, having him in a starting role is only going to help this uh, this offense. C.J. Walker started last year after Trent uh, went down with an injury prior to the start of the season, and he he didn't really wasn't fully back until about halfway through the season, and then they just kept starting C.J. because it really it was it was mentally Forrest was fine coming off the bench, while Walker really couldn't handle it. Well, Walker's gone now. He transferred to Ohio State. So Florida State will not, uh, you know, will not have that depth. But they did bring in Devin Nichols, who's honestly, man, I, I really like that kid. I got to watch him in practice a little bit this summer, and he is not afraid. Like he's a smaller guy, but man, he is not afraid to go right at Trent Forrest and you know just be as physical as he needs to be. I mean, he is a smaller guy. Uh, he's he's only six one, one hundred and eighty five pounds, but man, he was. Uh, he, he, I mean, he, he was a fighter. He wasn't, he wasn't going to back down from Trent Forrest. And I really, from what I saw in the, the practice that I was able to see, it's really up to Trent Forrest's game because he has a guy that's going at him nonstop. That's not, that, you know, that's not willing to back down from him physically. So I think that's only going to help it. But I think Florida State has two really high caliber point guards that can run the offense that Florida State wants to run. Now, Walker uh, was a bit of a liability on defense, but I think that Nichols is going to be much better in that category, and Trent Forrest is probably Florida State's best defender on the team um, at this point. Without, you know, with Brian Angola gone, that's a that's a big loss, but I think Trent Forrest is is uh, now the best defender on the team. Um, you know, Florida State returns seven of the top ten, top ten scores from last year's team. One, the, the biggest loss for Florida State uh, outside of Angola, who graduated, is the loss of Ike Obiagu, who was Florida State's true rim protector uh, on the on the defensive side of the score. Kind of a kind of an offensive liability and um, a foul machine, but he did have uh, just over two blocks a game, which is really really good when he was able to play. So he's um. Losing him kind of changes the dynamic of this team going into the season. And obviously we're talking about preseason projections and all that. So we're not really going to know how good this team is until until November when they open up a Florida play in the Advocare Classic where they could uh, could run up against defending national champion Villanova and then have to go and play Purdue at home in the big ACC Big Challenge um, you know, two days later. So Florida State... I'm I'm really high on this team. I think they're going to be very very good, and I think the return of Phil Kofer, return of Terrence Mann, the return of Trent Forrest is really like it gives Florida State. It's going to give Florida State three legitimate scoring threats. Then you have MJ Walker, who if he could ever you know get his ankle back in shape, um, he's been off and on injured with an ankle injury. But if he if he can come back and be healthy and be better than he was at the end of the season, you know he hit that freshman wall. Um, I do expect big things from him this year because he is a really good uh, offensive player. He's just got to com- continue to improve his defense. PJ Savoy's back, Florida State sharpshooter, and he's really he's dropped a he's dropped about ten fifteen pounds, and I think that that's going to help him on the defensive end of the court and playing more minutes. And you know he's really worked on his defense, and then you have Chris Kamaji coming back and Fiondu Kabengeli. Uh Fee has grown. About another inch and a half. He's up to like six ten or six eleven, uh, somewhere in between there. So, 
Florida State is going to be able to use him at the five position because with the departure of Obiagu, Florida State only had Kamaji as basically the, the centers on the team. Having uh, having Fee, who played that role some, I believe he played that role against Michigan in the, uh, in the Elite Eight game, um, but I think he can fill that role, and it, it, he is going to allow Florida State to play better against teams that want to go smaller because he can. He is a guy that can come out. He is he can be a stretch five. Uh, he can he can knock down shots. So um you you have him. I think he's really going to be the key to the team and the guy that I'm most looking forward to seeing this year. He didn't play last year, but man, when I watched him in practice, he was he was unreal. Like he was he was able to knock down a three-point shot he was able to knock out you know just inside the perimeter and he was able to drive to the basket and that's Raekwon Gray you know he's a he's a redshirt freshman he's dropped 40 pounds this offseason 40 like he's I mean he's completely reshaped his body and man a guy his size shouldn't be able to move that quickly I mean, he's he's just a lightning bolt coming by. I mean, he's really, really impressive to watch when he gets going. He's a good defender. He's a good shooter. He's got to work on finishing at the rim a little bit better. But, man, just watching him you know, move around the court and shooting and, and then driving to the basket was really impressive. I think he's a guy that can come in and have an immediate impact, um, especially when he's, when he's filling in for Phil Kofer. I think you'll see Kofer at the four, and I think you'll see Gray backing him up, and then you'll see Fiondu more at the five rather than than at the four because Ike's gone. Um, so I, I do think that he's going to see an, uh, see a lot of minutes this year, but he's going to have to continue to reshape his body. He's um, he's still only able to play a certain amount of minutes at a high level before being, having to be subbed off, but I do think he's going to play a significant amount of minutes this year just by what I've seen and what I've heard from, from those around the uh, program. And you know, overall, I think this is, this is a really going, going to be a really good basketball team. It's a veteran team that's experienced pretty much everything a basketball season has to offer. Uh, everything at, at this point. I mean, the, everything except for high expectations. I mean, two years ago, they came in. Well, I, you say that. They came in with high expectations. You had Jonathan Isaac, Dwayne Bacon, Terrence Mann. And then they finished, They went in, and they were a number three seed and got blown out by 11 seed Villanova. Or not Villanova, I'm sorry, Xavier. And then last year, they had no expectations. And they come out, and they make an Elite Eight run. Um, so this, they've been through pretty much everything. I mean, they've beaten... Five, you know, in twenty in the twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen twenty seventeen uh, season, they beat five of the six straight ranked opponents that they faced. But then they got blown out by Syracuse and Georgia Tech, who were two very bad basketball teams at that point in time. You know, last season at the end of the season, they I mean they kind of didn't play well. Uh, that's you know the nice way of putting it. They didn't play well and really struggled to get into the tournament. There were questions about whether or not they were going to make the tournament. And then they went on the, you know, run through the uh through the postseason. So, you know, basketball's a weird game. It's got you know, you never know what you're going to do and in the postseason it's all really all about the draw you get, but I'm really excited about this team because I do think that they're going to be better than they have been since the 20 the 2012 Florida State team that won the ACC. I think this team is going to be 
is going to be very, very good. And uh, I know that's a lot of expectations, but they're, I think they're going to be fun to watch, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do. In the final segment, that, that'll do it for this uh, for segment two, but in the final segment, I'll answer some questions from fans, and um, then I'll give my predictions for some of the other ACC games coming out this weekend. I will also, uh, you know, I'll be back again tomorrow giving my breakdown and prediction for Florida State's Florida State's game against uh, against Louisville. So make sure to stay tuned for that. But before we get into the final segment, we all love a night out. You know, I, I know I do, and I enjoy attending. You know, pretty much all sporting events: baseball, basketball, football, whatever. And if you enjoy attending sporting events, or maybe your concerts, your things, you're going to see your favorite band. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, no spaces for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee, so make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Thanks for sticking with me as we enter the final segment of today's Locked on Seminoles podcast. We're going to be answering some questions from fans that they submitted in via Twitter. If you have a question that you would like answered on the podcast, send me a tweet. Um, normally, I put it out every every Thursday morning uh, on my Twitter, at Wayne McGahee, I-I-I. Make sure to give me a follow. And if you have a question, just uh, take and respond to that tweet. It's usually every Thursday. I do this mailbag every Thursday. So if if you have a question that you would like to, to have answered, just send a, send the question in via Twitter, and I will get you on the podcast. The first question for today comes from CM Hubbard, asking who starts in the offensive line and where against Louisville. Uh, I do believe after talking with after speaking with Willie Taggart, I shouldn't say speaking with he spoke to us uh, <laughs> during the media setting today for the final time before Louisville and he said that Landon Dickerson they hope to have him play I fully expect him to play against Louisville he's you know he's progressed as the week's gone on and I do think he gets a start his first career start at left tackle uh, this weekend against Louisville I think you're going to see Arthur Williams starting at left guard I keep going back and forth because you know Mike Arnold might get the start or Cole Minshew might get the start at left at at left guard I think it should it should be Arthur Williams. It should be, um, and I think it's going to be. And with Alec Eberle at center, Cole Minshew at right guard, and then Brady Scott at right tackle. Scott did very well against a very good Northern Illinois defensive line. Uh, Cole Minshew is a, a veteran can help him out, help Scott out when uh, when that happens. And then you're sandwiching a guy Arthur Williams, who's played defensive tackle for a month and a half, between a guy with thirty like 35 starts in Alec Eberle and Florida State's leader and best best overall player on the offensive line in Landon Dickerson. So it's, uh, I believe it'll be Dickerson, Williams, Eberle, Minshew, and then Scott on the, uh, on the offensive line. With, with Abdul Bello being the first offensive tackle off the bench and Mike Arnold being the first offensive guard off the bench. But... 
the uh, the next question comes from Noel No Mercy or No Noel Mercy. If we don't win a bowl game, do you think the 2019 recruiting class falls out of the top 15? That's you know that's a, that's a good question. The on-field results have to have to pick up. Willie Taggart has done a really good job of building this class up, and he's after some really big targets. And Florida State isn't going to be able to compete for those targets if you know if the on-field product doesn't get better. Also, holding on to Sam Howell is going to be of the utmost importance for for this Florida State team because he is one of the he's one of the best quarterbacks in this class probably one of the you know the four best quarterbacks in this class and then there's a huge pretty huge drop off um in the in the level of talent in this class so if florida state can't keep him then it's going to be really tough to get a comparable quarterback in this in this class so keeping him and then finding some juco offensive tackles as well as you know you already you got to keep charles cross and the wide receiver position, I don't know that Florida State's going to take one, but if if Florida State doesn't play better on the offensive side of the ball, I don't know how they're going to be able to pull. Basically, the wide receiver position is they brought in five last year. They don't need to bring in one this year. They're only looking to bring in wide receivers that they believe can really help them um, pretty immediately. You know, like the the most talented guys in the country. George Pickens, who I believe is the best wide receiver in the country after having seen him multiple times. He has a good relationship with Sam Howell, but he also has a really good relationship with Bo Nix, who's committed to Auburn. So it's it's going to be a tough pull for for them at wide receiver. You know, We'll have to wait and see what Florida State does at linebacker. But I do think that if, if the on-field results don't get better and Florida State makes a bowl game, I don't know that the class falls out of the top 15, but I don't think it'll be maybe top top five, top ten, like we were expecting in Willie Taggart's first year. So I do think that that's a concern at this point. But you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll find out more about Florida State's chances at a bowl game this weekend against Louisville because if, uh, if they can't beat Louisville, they're not making a bowl game. It's basically the, the same thing as Northern Illinois. It's ba- Florida State's got to take it one step at a time for that. The next question comes from Seminole Big Dog. It, say we land the important recruits we need to on offense this cycle, including Juco. How many guys do you see being replaced on both sides of the ball this uh, next year? Um, you know, that's a, that's a really interesting, interesting question because Florida State is really young on the offensive side of the ball. You know, you return. DeAndre Francois is expected to return. You know, he's He's got another year of eligibility you've got you know cam Akers returning he has a year of eligibility jock has patrick is gone but uh Laybourne comes back anthony grant comes back wide receiver tomorrow and terry comes back dj matthews comes back keith gavin comes back Treshawn harrison comes back warren thompson comes back um you know on, on the offensive line Arthur Williams is gone. You're going to have to find a couple guards. You're going to have to find a brand new center. Uh, Landon Dickerson could probably go back to guard if you find an offen- a JUCO offensive tackle that you believe in. Maybe you keep Brady Scott out there, depending on how he does the rest of the season. Um, but you, I think going into the offseason, every offensive line position is going to be up for grab. Every every position is technically up for grabs, but I really think that every offensive line position is is going to be completely up for grabs. Uh, depending on how things go, uh, on defense, 
Marvin Wilson returns. Brian Burns is more than likely gone. That dude's going to be a first-round pick. Um, Janarius Robinson's going to return. Wally Amy's gone, but Florida State brought in Dennis Briggs, Malcolm Lamar, Jamarcus Chapman, Xavier Peters, and have a couple of defensive ends already committed in Derek McClendon. Um, so we'll have to wait and see how the off, how the defensive ends go, but I don't know that you know, like the Florida State's going to have to find a replacement for Burns, but is is one of the guys that's currently on the roster or coming in right now good enough to take over for um take over Janarius Robinson's spot and force him in you know into onto the bench. I do think if Nicobe Dean signs with Florida State that he comes in and starts immediately at the same position, Dontavious Jackson comes back and Jaden Woodby comes back and then Levante Taylor's probably gone, but you have Asante Samuel and A.J. Litton. So I don't know how many like overall positions will be replaced. It's just a bunch of young guys who you know will continue to get better. And the final question is, what should we look for early against Louisville to get a sense of whether this team is improving week to week or not? Will we see more downhill runs out of the pistol that Patrick had success with early against an IU? Um, that's from Tim Flynn of Napalm Radio. And <clears throat> I basically what's going to define, like what you, what you need to be looking for is, is Florida State getting ahead of the chains? You know, four yards on first down is, is huge for this offense. They cannot be in third and long situations. When they get in third, third and long situations, it's not an offense that can bail it out. It's got to be an offense that's ahead of the change, getting getting into third and four or less. You know that that's that's the ideal situation. Third and six is all right. Third and seven or higher is not good, obviously. But this is an offense that struggles to get out of situations when you know when in obvious passing downs when teams can just pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. This team is has struggled so far. So. If Florida State's getting ahead of the chains early and obviously an early couple of touchdowns like what happened against Northern Illinois would be would be very good. So I think that's, you know, it's on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball is, is Florida State containing uh, Cunningham, who I believe is going to start in the run game. If they can do that, Louisville's not going to be able to move the football. But that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Seminoles podcast. I really appreciate everyone who's listened. Make sure to stay tuned and uh, come back tomorrow. For, to, uh, for my preview against Louisville and my prediction, we'll have that. But for the Locked On Seminoles podcast, I'm Wayne McGahey. Have a wonderful day.